Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. World Junior Gold on the line. Canada and Sweden about to get underway in Buffalo. We'll keep you updated on that one throughout the show. Earlier, United States getting bronze, rolling over the Czech Republic 9-3. Oilers prospect Kyler Yamamoto was able to play a bit after taking that slash late in yesterday's semifinal loss to Sweden. He played just a total of nine minutes, none in the third, but the United States cruising to bronze in that one, 9-3, your final. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30. Chad, we got a fun show for you tonight. You're going to hear from Brandon Zilstra, now a former Eskimo, recently signed with the Minnesota Vikings, so we'll catch up with him. We'll go down to Calgary and find out a little bit more about the javelin. Well, it wasn't really a javelin. It was more of a hammer throw motion, but he was using a stick, so that's why he called it the javelin. Glenn Gullitson getting quite upset with his team today, the Calgary Flames, and we have seen that happen. You heard Todd McClellan uh, yell at the Oilers pretty definitely after a bad game against Philadelphia a few weeks ago, so it happens with coaches and the Flames and Oilers both trying to track down a playoff spot. Calgary is closer, but inconsistency has plagued both teams. Now, the Oilers, a couple of dreaded afternoon games this weekend. Dallas tomorrow, Chicago on Sunday. Both games will have the face-off show here on Chet at 11.30 in the morning, and both games will face off at 1. The Oilers flying to Dallas today, also on his way to Dallas, but not from Edmonton, from Montreal. New backup goaltender Al Montoya, who, uh, coming off a concussion, suffered on November 4th against Winnipeg. He has not played a lot this season. Three starts, four appearances. Not good numbers this year. 863 save percentage, 3.77 goals against average. Uh, his best year had a uh, 921, best year where he played more than just a few games, had a 921 save percentage for the Islanders in 10 11, a 920 for the Jets in 28 games in 13 14. He's going to be turning 33 next month. Former first round draft pick, the Rangers thought he might be their guy. Never turned out for him there. He was taken sixth overall in 2004. So he's joining the Oilers, and that means Laurent Brassois 
who did a decent job filling in for Cam Talbot over a seven-game stretch last month. He wound up going three and four, overcame that shaky third period in a victory in Calgary. Do I think uh, to give the Oilers competent, if not spectacular, goaltending? He was asked, uh, do you feel a little blindsided uh, by this move? It's not something I was expecting. Um, but, um, you know, it is what it is. I'll, I'll just have to, wherever I end up, take advantage of the opportunity to most likely pay more. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's more or less they said that uh, I need to play and, um, and uh, development needs to be priority right now. You've always struck me as a very focused and patient guy. Does this test that uh, patience a little bit? <laughs> Absolutely, it does. Um, like you said, a little bit of a blind side. Um, but um, there's good in every situation. And uh, I'm planning on finding that. And like I said, take advantage of, of the, the opportunity that lies ahead, whatever that may be. Players want to play in the National Hockey League. That's why you... Uh you work your way uh, to get here, but it's a hard league to get to, and it's even a harder league to stay in. And he plays a unique position where um, a starter tends to play the majority of the games, and a backup doesn't play as many. And, and as I said last night, that uh, our plan is, has been forced to change because of the way we played and the results we've got. We planned on getting him many more and, and being able to develop them. Um, so with that being said, um, I understand that he's frustrated, but it's also the hockey world, and, and it's the business part that can be ruthless at times. Uh, but we all, coaches, managers, players, media people even, get into it knowing that that's the, the nature of the beast. It doesn't take the sting away from him individually, uh, but that's how it works. Well, you could tell Brassois was indeed stung by the acquisition of Montoya, so uh, we'll see how ex- exactly the roster moves shake down. I mean, I-, I mentioned Montoya, the concussion. I don't think the Oilers would have acquired him if they don't expect to activate him here uh, pretty quickly and use him at some point on this road trip. You know, it, certainly Peter Shirelli, general manager of the Oilers, had been criticized for not finding uh, a more competent backup than Laurent Brassois, who, yes, has played well at times for the Oilers, but had also still looked shaky at times. And I think there was still a a fairly significant question mark over that position, even though I think Brassois did a lot of good things during the seven-game stretch that that he was able to start. Why is a guy a backup goalie in the NHL? Well, he's either young and unproven, or he's older but he's not consistent so I think the Oilers have gone from somebody who was uh, young and still very unproven to somebody like Montoya who can be really good can have really good NHL numbers but you're not quite as sure that you're going to get that game after game as you would from other goaltenders so uh, I mean Talbot's still going to play a lot I I think there's in my mind there's a greater likelihood that Montoya is going to give you more consistent and reliable starts than Brassois. Though, hey, he's, he's 
He's he's a backup, so I think you got to be realistic uh, about what you're going to get. But I do think the experience factor comes in here. Montoya, 159 games as opposed to 27 NHL games for Brassois. Uh, my name is Reed Wilkins. If I didn't mention that, this is Inside Sports on 6:30. Chet, it is 6:13. You can reach me by texting 6:30-6:30. Our phone number 780-496-0063. NHL action underway tonight. The Penguins lead the Islanders two nothing. Early in the second period, the Sharks are up 2-1 on the Senators late in the first. Oilers fans got to cheer for Ottawa there. Detroit up 1-0 on the Panthers after one. Early on, no score between the Sabres and the Jets. Coming up in about half an hour, the Golden Knights 27-10-2 play Chicago. And if you're an Oilers fan there, might as well cheer for Vegas because the Oilers aren't going to catch them. But Chicago is uh, one of the teams that the Oilers have in their sights. Bob Stoffer is going to join us from Dallas between 6.30 and 7. You'll hear a little bit more from head coach Todd McClellan about the challenge of afternoon games. Little football next. A guy you've fallen in love with over the last couple seasons. Now he's trying his hand with the Minnesota Vikings. He led the CFL in receiving in 2017. Brandon Zilstra, when we get back. Hi, this is Ryan Dijon Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Riley drops back, steps up to the pocket, and unloads down the field, and that is complete. Brandon Zilstra is going to the house. Touchdown, Eskimos. What a bomb. 78 yards to Brandon Zilstra. Touchdown, Eskimos. One of many big plays Brandon Zilstra made while playing for your Edmonton Eskimos. He led the CFL in receiving yards in 2017, and to no one's surprise, he got NFL opportunities, and he is now signed on with the Minnesota Vikings. Brandon Zilstra joins us now. Brandon, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Not too bad. How are you doing, Reed? I'm doing very well. Thanks a lot for making time for me. Thanks a lot for making time for Eskimos fans. I guess we got to call you a former Edmonton Eskimo now. Give me a sense of uh, of what the last uh, few days have been like with the uh, announcement that that you're joining the Vikings. And uh, well, first of all, let's look at that. Just how do you feel about getting that uh, deal with the Vikings? You know, it's it's great. It's something you know I've only dreamed about since I was a little kid. Um, you're wearing that purple and gold. A lot different than those Edmonton Eskimo colors because, you know, back in the day, or, you know, this last, these last two years, I've had a lot of friends and family say, take those pack colors off. We don't want to see that. So, you know, a lot of friends and family are happy that I'm actually in purple and gold now. But, no, it, it's been great. Give me a sense of what the whole process is like once you sort of get the go-ahead to, to work out with, uh, with with NFL teams. What kind of things do they do they put you through what do you have to make sure you're doing when you're going through some of these uh some of these tryouts if you want to call them that uh honestly everybody kind of runs their workouts different um everybody has a specific thing they're kind of looking for and you know they kind of treat every player a little bit different too because sometimes they want to see a 40 out of somebody sometimes you know it's been, a lot of people look at it kind of just like a your regular pro day because they could run any of those kind of drills um bag drills just end up running routes or anything like that um, and you can be like a couple of these workouts I worked up by myself. Um, a couple of them I was with a couple of other CFL players, and a couple of them was just 
you know, some just other free agents around the league that, you know, they're trying to sign to their practice roster that day. Um, so you kind of got a mix of everything. But, you know, for me, um, you know, I ended up doing five workouts, and they're all relatively the same. Uh, just kind of going through the route tree. I mean, they kind of know what they're getting um, throughout the year because, you know, they study your film a lot, and they just want to make sure, you know, what, you, what they're seeing live kind of matches up with what they saw um, in the film, you know, these last two years. Um, so it's kind of just like a confirmation for them, just, you know, that you're kind of proven. And, I mean, they understand, too, that, you know, I've been through 20 games already that you know, my body might be a little bit beat up and stuff. So they kind of give you a benefit of the doubt a, li- uh, uh, a little bit. Um, but, I mean, I mean, they're not too bad. So you worked out for five different teams then. That's pretty good. Yep. When the when it was the Vikings, and you sort of touched on this, but, but was that just a, a bonus that it was the team from the home state? It really was. Um, you know, like I said, we worked out with five different teams. Um, I don't even know how many teams we kind of had calling, but we kind of narrowed it down to the top five just kind of best opportunities for me at the time um, based on, you know, depth chart, um, position, uh, you know, how well we've done with CFL players. There's really a lot that really went into it. Um, but, yeah, we picked out about five of them. You know, I had good reviews from all of them. And after I did those five, I just thought that, you know, I had I had a couple good ideas of where I wanted to go after that. And so then it just kind of came down to, you know, my agent, you know, talking to the teams, um, making sure everything was good, and then, you know, eventually just, you know, picking picking the team that I wanted. Brandon Zilstra joining us on Inside Sports, CFL leading receiver with the Eskimos in 2017. So give me a sense of what happens now because uh, the, the Vikings are – uh, are in the playoffs, and some people think they're going to do really well. But obviously, you, you know, you're not uh, a- able to join them here for the playoffs. So, what happens? Do you get to be around the team at all now, or what happens? I'm honestly still kind of learning about all this kind of stuff too. Um, I went into the Vikings facility to actually, you know, find the papers, and you know, went and met a couple of the coaches that I didn't meet during the workout. Just kind of sat down with them and really introduced myself and kind of got a feel for, you know, got a feel for each other. Um, but I'm getting, you know, different kind of schedules sent to me in the next couple of days to have a better understanding of kind of what's going to be going on. But since I just did sign a futures contract, um, you know, that basically just gives me a ticket into the OTAs, which don't start until April. Um, so as far as contacts with the team, I know there's a dead period and stuff. And like I said, I'm going to learn about all this, you know, in the next couple of days. But um, it, it sounds like I'm really kind of on my own uh, up until April. Okay. Brandon, what was it about playing with the Eskimos and your time in the CFL that do you think most helped you improve or prepare for an opportunity in the NFL? Um, I think for the most part, just you know, playing at a higher level. Because you know, I did come from a D three school. Um, you know, the competition level is obviously way down, and um, so the CFL was just a lot faster, um, and it helped me adjust to you know just playing at a higher level. Um, playing in a more complex offense, uh, you know, better athletes all around, different coaching, you know, just really puts you in a professional setting, um, you know, as far as, you know, how to study, how to break down film, how to even, you know, talk to media, interact with fans. Like, you, you really get thrown into all that pretty quick. Um, so, I, I, honestly, it was just a good, you know, transition for me, and I feel like that definitely helped, you know, set up the – or for me to be where I am today. 
You mentioned interact with fans. Obviously, you became pretty popular once you once you got into the lineup. Uh, is there a, a meeting or a, or a special fan experience or, or maybe a youngster you met along the way that really stands out? Uh, I don't know. The Edmonton fans have been so good to me. You know, like these these last couple of days, it's been honestly a little bit overwhelming. Just all the kind words and you know, times that people have reached out to me on you know different social medias and stuff, just thanking me and. You know, wishing me the best of luck and, um, you know, like all that stuff means so much to me. And, like, I can't thank, you know, Eskimo, the Eskimos enough for that, uh, just Edmonton in general. And, um, you know, that also goes across all across Canada because I had people reaching out to me, you know, from the CFL kind of all over. And um, it's, it's just really overwhelming to hear how much support I actually had um, over these last two years. So when you're, you're when you're working out with with Vikings players and, and they they ask you you were Edmonton Eskimo what was that like what are you going to tell them? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, could you repeat that? When, when you're getting to be a Minnesota Viking and you're working out with new teammates and meeting new players and and you tell them you were an Edmonton Eskimo and they say what was that like what are you going to tell them? <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell them that you know it was a great time that I had up there. Um, obviously, the game was a little bit different. Um, that, that's something I'm definitely going to miss about the CFL is just the game because it's something that I learned pretty quickly and you know I fell in love with super fast. And uh, it's definitely something that, like, this next year and, you know, upcoming years too that I'm, I'm still going to be watching as many games as possible, you know, through all the relationships and stuff I've made, you know, over these last two years. Uh, it's going to be hard for me to get away from the game, to be honest. Well, I, I I I know I've seen some of that on Twitter. The uh, Eskimos fans reaching out to you and wishing you uh, all the best. And I know, uh, regardless of what happens, you're even though it's Packers color to to your family, I think you're always going to have a little bit of green and gold somewhere uh, somewhere in your soul. There, Brandon, really appreciate it. All the best, and I hope we can keep in touch. Thank you for your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Exciting opportunity for Brandon Zilstra. Minnesota Vikings signing him to a practice reserve, practice slash reserve contract. And you get more on that on 630Ched.com. Oilers traveling to Dallas today. We'll have a little bit more with them as we uh, move along. DeAnthony Batiste, always a great guest to have on the show. Eskimos offensive lineman. He's back for another couple of years. He's going to slide into studio as well. Bob Stoffer, uh, I believe, is going to join us in a few minutes from Dallas. We'll see what's going on there. World Junior game in the first period. No score. Canada and Sweden will keep you updated throughout the evening. My name is Reed Wilkins. Back after the news. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. And of course, Cam Talbot has a new backup. That's the big Oilers story. Oilers flying to Dallas, Al Montoya meeting them there. You heard from Laurent Brassois in the last half hour, obviously disappointed that uh, he's likely headed to the American Hockey League. We'll see what shakes down there. Oilers have a couple of afternoon games coming up this weekend. Historically, and uh, when I mean historically, I don't mean this year or the last five years or the last ten years. I mean since they entered the NHL. 
in the fall of 1979. They have not been good in afternoon games. 53, 75, and 15. The last column, a combination of ties and overtime losses. And our next guest, Bob Stoffer, asked head coach Todd McClellan about dealing with these back-to-back matinees. The second one doesn't worry me as much as the first one. Um, back-to-back, you kind of get that rhythm and your, your hockey clock is... 24 hours apart from a game like you're playing normal back-to-backs it's the first one and um, you know we uh, we would have normally not skated today flown down and, and had a pregame skate so we've already made one adjustment there's other things we do to try and uh, make sure our team is ready to go and we varied it with um, varying amounts of success or failure if you will um, meetings in the evenings versus meetings in the morning um, but at the end of the day, it is what it is, and the players have to show up and play. We, we can come up with gimmicks, um, but they have to come and play and, and um, be very professional about it, and I believe our group will. The Oilers are 1-4 and four in matinees this season. That was a win over Minnesota. That game that they uh, won in Boston that started 3 o'clock Edmonton time did not count as a matinee since it was 5 o'clock in Boston. Bob Stoffer hosts Oilers now, noon to 2 every day on 6.30. Chad, color analyst for the games on the Oilers radio network. He joins us now from Dallas. Bob, thanks for making time for me. Uh, give, us, uh, give us your whereabouts here. Are you catching the World Junior game somewhere? I was until about a minute and a half ago when the call came in. So I'm in, uh, there's a new Moxie's right across the street from the Crescent Court Hotel. Um, it is owned by Tom Gallardi, the owners of the Dallas Stars. He also owns uh, uh, the Sandman's in Canada, Chop. Uh, he does, uh, the, the, the actual Moxie's in, in Edmonton are owned uh, by Brendan Connolly, who's co-owned by Brendan Connolly in a consortium. And uh, they've obviously Brendan's got Ruth Chris as well. So uh, this is a very upscale location, and there are several high-profile people connected with Hockey Canada over the years that are watching the game. So when I left, it was zero-zero. I don't know if anybody scored yet. It is still zero-zero. There's only a minute. 23 left in the first period, so I, I apologize for uh, pulling you away from the game, but most of this will uh, do during the first intermission. So, <laughs> so it's all good, man. Uh, Kyler Yamamoto, I mentioned, Bob, did play today, didn't play uh, much against uh, the Czechs in that uh, 9-3 blowout win for the United States in the bronze medal game. Didn't play at all in the uh, third period, so obviously still feeling the effects of that slash from Oscar Steen yesterday. Well, it was also 7 nothing after 2, right? So. Right. I don't know what sense it made if he's a little bit nicked up. I mean, uh, they didn't play Logan Brown at all. Um, and the, the Littlewood kid didn't play either. So they, they were down a couple forwards. Uh, I will tell you that it's my belief that had the Americans gotten through to the final read, you know this, I think they would have given Canada all they could handle. They had a lot of skill in a lineup. Uh, they all played sweet, and they probably deserved a better result. Uh and judging by what I've seen through the first 16 minutes of this game, it's pretty even between the two teams, Canada and Sweden today. So, you know, it's good. it's great that Canada's there. It is a typical Tom Rennie team. I mean, when Tom was with the Olympics in 93-94 and again on the 99 team, those were not the most talented teams, but they were hardworking, honest teams. So it takes a unique skill set to handle upside, you know, upside in talent and uh, certain types of coaching philosophies. Um and it'll be interesting to see how Canada does next year when the events of Victoria and Vancouver. And maybe in 2021, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> that'd be great. Oh, that'd be fun. We'd get we'd get the medal round this time, right? 
Or maybe the other city uh, wouldn't get anything. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't necessarily believe that we'd be looking. Maybe we're only talking Edmonton and Red Deer. Well, that'd be interesting I, if we, because who knows what's going on with that building in uh, in the other city. I know oh, that... Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. You're on to something. Ne- the, the next group of fans into that building, though, may get a free hockey stick. I don't know if you... Did you see the Gulletson video today? Pat's coming on later today to talk about that. He was at practice. You know what? That's that's interesting. I mean, that happens once in a while. Uh, I think it's a typical Lens personality. Uh, that's the game. I mean, you got... You got five organizations really happy with where they're at. Five organizations really upset with where they're at, and twenty somewhere in the middle. And the goal for the orders in the short term is to to become one of those twenty in the middle instead of being right. five that aren't happy with where they're at. <laughs> uh, Flames have forty four points. They're three out of a postseason spot. Edmonton with thirty nine. They are uh, eight out, and it's Minnesota holding down the wild card spot right now. Uh, San Jose currently playing. They have third in the Pacific Division, and uh, the Sharks, just making sure I got the latest score, up 2-1 on Ottawa early in the second period. And obviously, Ottawa, Bob, one of the teams that uh, I would say is extremely unhappy with where they're at. I would say Buffalo and Ottawa are playing the worst in the league right now. Like, uh, Ottawa, that, and, and I'm not convinced that that is just a, a short-term scenario. Sands, I think Pierre Dorian is a very good uh, talent evaluator. They've been able to find players like that have been helped them, you know, like Mark Stone in the sixth round, Mike Hoffman in the fifth round. Those are big time players. Um, they got the Formanton kid uh, this year in the second round. They got uh, Drake Batherson in the fourth round. And though I still think that uh, Cody Glass's sixth overall pick should have been on the team, you can't argue with the production that Batherson in particular has provided. So Ottawa knows how to draft and, and, and develop some players, but there are some financial challenges moving forward. They, they have less. Um, then, you know, 10% of their population base, I'm told, less than 10% comes from Gatineau, which is a, now a huge French community on the other side of the river. And if they're going to have long-term success there, they've got to get a higher engagement level from that community. And, you know, what happens do they move downtown? Uh, and when it's not going good, guys want to leave. And so can they keep Eric Carlson? My guess is no. Uh, the whole situation with tourists and how they ended up with this. Just for fun, read Hop on Hockey DB right now. Yep. And look up what Matt Duchesne has done with the Ottawa Senators. Oh, I'm And you, sir, <laughs> will shake your head. Although Rob and I were talking about this, I think he's at six points, isn't he? Uh, he yeah, is at over 20 games. He is at six points in 24 games. So he's producing at the same rate that Chris Russell has for the Oilers, pretty much. And what is he minus-wise? No, Russell's outproducing him because Russell's got like 15 or 16. What's <laughs> he's he's, he's minus, minus 10. Double digits. He's yeah. minus 10 um, in 24. Yeah. Well, what are the Oilers? Is Latestu yeah, the Carlson. only guy minus double digits for Edmonton? Yeah, and Carlson, uh, Carlson's minus 22. By the way, we're going to Arizona. Like, this is a crazy trip, just so people understand. There's a lot of weak uh, work on this trip here. I mean, we fly into Dallas today. Afternoon game against Dallas tomorrow, fly to Chicago. Afternoon game Sunday against Chicago, fly to Nashville Sunday night. Uh, team day off Monday. Uh, Tuesday uh, morning skating a game against the Preds. Wednesday we have a separate team event uh, in an undisclosed location. Uh, we fly Wednesday night from that team event into uh, Arizona. We play Arizona. Guess what the plus minus is right now for Oliver Ekman Larson Reed? Oh, he's bad. Isn't minus he 23? 33. Th- he's 33 Minus now? 33. Minus 33, Reed. So that's almost uh, one per game. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, and obviously Vegas to round out the trip. This is a big trip. Great. Bottom line, this is a do-or-die trip for the Oilers. they got to get her done here on this trip. Absolutely. And we'll see if uh, Al Montoya gets uh, any action in net, Bob. Obviously, you guys flew to Dallas. He was flying in from uh, Montreal. I, you know, I, I made the point in the first half hour because I, I, I can't sit here and promise people that Al Montoya is going to be uh, the solution that the Oilers are looking for in terms of a backup goaltender. The experience is something I like. But why is a guy a backup? He's either young and unproven like Laurent Brassois, or he's not consistent. And, and I think that's probably the, the category Montoya falls into. He's had some years with good numbers, but uh, sometimes with that backup position, you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, just give me your sense of Montoya and, and when he might be, uh, be in there. I mean, if he's activated, could it be as early as Sunday, or do you think he gets to practice a little bit? He got uh, cleared uh, last night coming off the concussion at 10 p.m. Uh, he is with the team today. He arrived. Uh, he was in the lobby as I was walking across okay. the uh, 30 feet from uh, the Hotel de la Bar and, uh, to, to watch the game here because uh, it's the only place we can watch it. And I can tell you right now that, you know, he's just got to, even though it's, a, it's a, a minor upgrade, I think, in the eyes of a lot of the fans, he's got a pedigree that far exceeds to this point what Laurent Brassois has accomplished. Sure. And so from a player perspective, you're getting a better guy between the pipes. All right. Uh, so, do you think do you, do you think Sunday's possible, or do you think it's the other back to back on the trip? What's, I think it's the other back. That's what I. I, I, I think, think you can play. Back-to-back. I think you yeah. can play Talbot both these games, barring something unforeseen. Yeah. Okay. Before I let you go, uh, we always try to hit on something else in the sports world. Uh, what do you want to get into? Gruden's ten-year contract with the Raiders, or uh, Monday's uh, national championship game? Oh, it's let's uh, it's, do it's both. Okay. Great for coaches. It's, unbe- it's unbelievable what happened. Yeah, unbelievable what happened with Cruz. What's he? Do- I mean, how did those last six years go in Tampa? It shows you the value of being a talking head in sport. And as for Monday's <laughs> national championship game, uh, Monday's national championship game, I'll be stunned if Alabama doesn't win. Uh, Kirby Smart is a fine coach, but uh, Nick Saban has had the number on all of his former coaches. He is not. He's he's undefeated, and he's won every game by double digits. So I'm expecting a uh, Alabama victory on Monday. The value of being a talking head in sports. Where has it gotten us, Bob? Or do you have to be on TV? <laughs> uh, yeah, you got two guys with faces for radio. Yeah, no kidding. All right, my man. Thanks, buddy. See you soon. Yeah, bye-bye. That's Bob Stoffer checking in from Dallas. Uh, so there, so he saw Montoya today, and uh, Bob's uh, guess, mine as well, is that he does make his Oilers debut on this road trip, but likely later on. Tomorrow we have Furnace Family Oilers Hockey, 11.30 face-off show. Game starts at 1, Oilers at Dallas. Furnace Family, Edmonton's Furnace replacement experts. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. You can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. We'll get uh, a little more on Glenn Gullen. Here, Okay, here's our off-topic topic. Most memorable coaching tantrum you have ever experienced in person. So, so I guess this would be either something you were a spectator at a game. We can, we can pick any level. Or I guess you could have been a player on that team or, or in the game, your coach or the opposing coach. Um... Yeah, 
That's what we'll do. Most memorable coaching tantrum you have ever witnessed. And we'll open it up in any level of sports. You can text 630-630-780-496-0063. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Quick NHL update here. We have the Penguins taking it to the Islanders tonight. 3-0 after two periods. Crosby is 15th. Malkin is 15th. Sharks lead the Senators 4-2. Six minutes into the second period. A bit of a scoring outburst early in period two. Detroit leading Florida 2-0. That's in the second period. After one, Jets up 2-1 on the Sabres. Dustin Bufflin scores. And Vegas leading Chicago 1-0 eight minutes into the game. Uh, World Juniors, we have no score after the first period. All right. You can text 630-630. Chris in Victoria giving me a shout tonight. He says, Reed, I can't see how Brassois would be upset if sent to the AHL. Montoya is never going to be a starter, and the Oilers are grooming Brassois as an eventual starter. Uh, go down and get some playing time. Well, yeah, fair point, Chris. I mean, I, I, I really think in McClellan, I, I don't know if you heard the McClellan comment off the top, too. I mean, you'll, you'll want to be in the NHL. It's, you know, it's pretty pretty simple. Guys want to be in the highest level, and I think Brassois... I mean, here's the thing. Brassois is not a 21-year-old kid anymore. He is he is 24. He turns 25 in March. I, I don't think he expects to be the starter ahead of Tal, but I think he was certainly hopeful he'd play more than he did last year, and I think he was hopeful the team felt that they could rely on him to play more, and, and I think this move sort of uh, tells him that even though they're saying go down and develop and get some playing time, I do think there's also the message, well, maybe we don't, we don't feel you can handle as many NHL games as we would like our backup to. But fair question from Chris. Hope you're doing well in Victoria. Okay, I got I to gotta pre-read this uh, text here uh, before I read it on air. <laughs> Just make sure... Okay, because I put out there the worst coaching tantrum you have uh, ever seen firsthand, either as a fan or maybe player in a game by your own coach or opposing coach. Well, Kurt, first of all, texted in. I don't know if Kurt was at this game, but obviously thousands of people saw it on TV. Craig McTavish pulling the tongue off of Harvey the Hound. That was a classic moment. Maybe not what I meant along the lines of a tantrum, but that is a memorable coaching maneuver. Uh, This texter who just calls himself dedicated Oilers fan, Here's the text. The most memorable coaching tantrum I have been a part of or experienced was my own midget hockey game a couple of years back where the officiating was so horrible against us that my coach called the head of officiating in our league to complain while he was on the bench during the game. (laughs) In the middle of play, he eventually got kicked out of the game. Okay, now that is a good that is a good one. That he, I, I, I'm assuming here. I'm going to have to make some assumptions, but that's a pretty good text. I'm assuming the coach pulled out his cell phone while on the bench and called the director. That is something. That's not waiting until after the game to file a complaint or uh, write something on the game sheet. Actually, calling the director of officiating while you're on the bench. Wow. 
Yeah, you don't see Must J- have been bad. You don't see Jason Mods doing that during the season <laughs> during an Eskimos game or something. That's that's wild. All right. You can text six thirty, six thirty. That is a good one. Someone else asking what the Oilers percentage chance of making the playoffs is. Now I always preface this by saying this is one website that I refer to that calculates odds. It's sportsclubstats.com. You can go look at it yourself if you uh, own a computer with an internet connection. And I simply refer to it because it, it does mathematical probabilities. After every night, they do millions of simulations of the rest of the season based on how many games remaining a team has, their strength of schedule, all that kind of stuff. Now, I can give you the number, and you're not going to like it, but, but I think we have to be realistic about where the Oilers are. Uh, th- this site says the Oilers' odds uh, of making the playoffs, 1.6%. So from now until uh, whenever, if you could go live in a, in a thousand different realities, right, the Oilers would make the playoffs in, what would that be, 16 of them. So they're not very good. If you're in a, if you're in a math stuff. Uh, the Big L says, uh, Reed, not exactly a tantrum, but when I was helping coach a very bad peewee team a few years ago, we played against a far superior opponent whose coach would throw his black cowboy hat on the ice after one of his players scored a hat trick against us. This really bothered our head coach, so he had one of our players pick up the hat and take it to the far end of the rink where someone was waiting to take it, and the hat disappeared. Glares and tension followed, but ultimately it was funny. Well, I'm going to say this. I don't know who that... That is That is Bush League, to th- if you're a coach, to throw a hat on the ice when one of your own players gets a hat trick. That is... You leave that to the fans. Wow. I, 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 I can't blame them for wanting to dispose of the hat. I, I, I will say this. Um, we're coming up to the 7 o'clock uh, news here. I, I have found, and I was very lucky because I did six years of play-by-play for uh, the U of A basketball teams. For most of those, you call the games from courtside. And I was often right next to Don Horwood when he was coaching the U of A Golden Bears. And I won't necessarily they are tantrums, but just his reactions and the way... I mean, there's nothing like watching basketball official, basketball coaches try to work the officials. Because of the proximity, because of the number of fouls that could be called. The late Phil Allen, who coached at Lakeland College in Lloydminster while I was out there, he was unbelievable at working refs. So they weren't necessarily tantrums, but just maybe little tirades or nudges or uh, or complaints. Th- those were pretty fun to watch. DeAnthony Batiste in studio when we get back. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.